Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you're listening to the I Have ADHD podcast, episode number 184. I am medicated, I am caffeinated, and I am so ready to roll. How are you? How are you? It is great to be here with you today. I'm so glad you decided to press play on this podcast. I know you've got a lot to do. I know you've got like so much going on in your life, and I love that we get to spend some time together today. So thanks for joining me. This podcast is going to be lighthearted and fun and pretty much a stream of consciousness chit chat from me to you. I don't have it all written out. I'm not scripted today. I'll be going off book quite a bit, but I have a lot on my mind that I want to share with you. Uh, The main theme being, we need to have a convo about hobbies. It keeps coming up in Focused, which is my ADHD coaching membership, that hobbies are so difficult for adults with ADHD. And I just coached somebody on it yesterday. And then additionally, I have been feeling the tension in my own life as my kids have been getting busier and needing less of me in the evenings when I'm home from work. I've been feeling like kind of bored, which is so interesting. And so I've been exploring the topic of hobbies for my own life and what that might look like. Uh, And so I just wanted to share all of that with you today. If I sound different or not as good as usual, it's because I left my proper podcasting mic at home and I just could not I could not go through another transition today, like gather up all my stuff, go home, record at home in my son's closet, or even just like come back here into the office. I just couldn't like the thought of another transition. I was like, I can't do it. So we are just putting out a little bit of B minus work right now. And I'm using my Britney Spears mic, which is what I use for my focused coaching call. So hopefully it is not terrible sounding. Um, But I want to let you know that for me today, just getting it done was the most important priority and making sure that I get the content to you was the most important priority. And I just want to invite you to think through the things in your life. Uh, They don't always have to be perfect. Sometimes just getting it done imperfectly and allowing the value to be put out there into the world without it being like the prettiest thing ever is just really important. So I'm modeling that today. I don't love that it doesn't sound great. I apologize, but let's move forward, shall we? If I haven't lost you yet, I want to share some resources with you just because it's on my mind. This does not have anything to do with hobbies. It just has a lot to do with something that I've been thinking about and learning about for my clients. And I feel it so deeply in my bones that I need to share it with you today. And so I'm going to do that real quick. We're going to take just a little detour before we get into the topic of hobbies. And I want to share with you that 
I have discovered from working with a bunch of ADHD adults that many adults with ADHD were parented by emotionally immature, maybe even narcissistic parents. And so because of that, I have been down the rabbit hole learning, learning, learning about this topic, because I want to make sure that I am a well-resourced trauma-informed coach and able to really hold space for people with ADHD who are my clients, you know, and who are struggling with this. And so I have read so many books lately about this topic and have been really making it my mission to learn about this. And I wanted to give you these resources here. Eventually, when I feel like I am more in the expert territory, obviously not like 100% an expert, but at least getting there, I will create a podcast about this topic and we will have, you know, a whole podcast or two or three or 27, however many it takes about the topic of like being an adult child who is parented by either emotionally immature or distant or rejecting narcissistic self involved parents, whatever. But if this is kind of sparking something in you and you're interested, I have a bunch of resources here for you. I'm going to talk about them just for a minute here, and then I'm going to list them in the show notes and we'll link them if we can, but at the very least, we will list the books and authors for you so that you can go Amazon them or however you like to find books, maybe the library or Barnes and Noble or wherever it is that you love to get your books. All of these have audiobooks as well. So if you prefer to listen, that is totally fine. But the first book that I would recommend is Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. The second book, which I don't think is quite as amazing, but it is still very good, is called Children of the Self-Absorbed, A Grown-Up's Guide to Getting Over Narcissistic Parents. I just want to say that the term narcissistic or narcissism is usually used in this context as meaning like very self-absorbed, lack of empathy, someone who wants all of the attention and emotion on them. And it's not necessarily referring to someone with narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. Moving along. Another one that I found to be interesting was called you're not crazy. It's your mother. And this is specifically for women. Although I think a man could for sure read this and, and still resonate with it. But anyway, you're not crazy. It's your mother understanding and healing for daughters of narcissistic mothers. And then another one, uh, which I found very interesting is called healing from hidden abuse, a journey through the stages of recovery from psychological abuse. And if you were parented by somebody who is a narcissist, then that would for sure fall into the category of psychological abuse. And the last resource that I want to mention here is Dr. Romani's YouTube channel. Dr. Romani is a narcissistic expert, and she has a wealth of knowledge on her YouTube channel. It is absolutely mind-boggling. Lots of videos, so many different explanations of narcissism and the different ways that it shows up. Something that I learned from Dr. Romani's YouTube channel is that there are different types of narcissists. So they're not always the grandiose, like braggadocious type of human being. Sometimes they are 
the types of people that you would just never expect. Um, and those are called covert narcissists. So anyway, if any of this is resonating with you, head to the show notes of this episode and grab some of those resources. Like I said, as I continue my learning in this, I will for sure be creating a couple podcast episodes around it, but I'm just not quite there yet. However, I'm finding it to be resonating with a lot of my clients. And I wanted to share the information with you here in the meantime, you know, if you're not sure if any of these resources would be applicable to you, I would just encourage you to start with the first book that I recommended, which is called adult children of emotionally immature parents, and just explore, see if that might be something that resonates with you. What's so interesting about adults with ADHD is that we often believe that we are the problem, that we have major issues, that we, you know, have so many flaws and so many things about us that are just plain wrong. And so we often show up to meet other people's needs as a way to deflect the own, like the self-shame that we feel. And uh, what I'm finding as I'm coaching more and more people with ADHD is that some of that has been learned from immature, like emotionally immature parents, not all of it, but some of that has been taught, you know, to us by emotionally immature parents. And so, you know, if that resonates with you, just give it a gander. I don't even know what gander means. I don't know why I said it, give it a look or a listen and just see if that might be something that applies to you. Okay. So we're going to talk about hobbies. We are going to talk about hobbies today. Hobbies are a whole thing. <laughs> Hobbies are a whole thing. Here is what's true about most of us, not all of us. I know we are not a monolith, but most of us adults with ADHD really struggle to have hobbies. And I was just telling Greg this week, or maybe it was last week that, you know, I don't really know what to do with my time. It used to be filled up with work with overworking, let's be clear. It used to be filled up with overworking and it used to be filled up with little tiny children who like needed me at all times. But now I've stopped overworking, which is amazing. And I, my children are, are not tiny anymore, which is also amazing. Having tiny children was very difficult for me. So my children are 14, 12 and eight. They're all pretty much self-sufficient. And now that we're like back in the grind of school and everything, they're all involved in different activities. And so they're just not home as much. And I am finding myself with more free time and it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you can relate to that. It is really uncomfortable to have free time. It's anxiety inducing. It feels agitating. I don't love it. It's funny because we often like long for free time. We're like, Oh my gosh, if I just had a moment to myself, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes, it's like, Oh, this doesn't actually feel good. And I think ADHD entrepreneurs especially struggle with this because there's always something more to do, right? So like with your business, there's always a very long list and that list never runs dry. It never goes away. It never, not, it's not ever completed because it just keeps growing and growing. And so as an ADHD entrepreneur, I think overworking is just a very common thing. And so we overwork instead of have hobbies, right? So last night I was like, I need something to do in my free time 
I don't know what to do. I don't even know what I like to do. Like, I do like to read, but the books that I've been reading have been like books on trauma, books on, you know, like not light hearted books. And so I am really trying to purpose myself not to overwork in my, in my free time. So I went out and I bought a couple novels. I don't know if they're good, but I bought a couple books. I bought an adult coloring book. I like, why? I don't know. I want something like relaxing to just like do. And I bought a puzzle. Gosh, am I like a hundred years old? I feel like I'm a hundred years old, but like, those were the only things that I could think of that didn't involve me like going somewhere. So we're going to talk about all of this. Why do adults with ADHD struggle to have hobbies? Let's start there. I think, I think that we really don't feel like we deserve to play. We don't feel like we deserve to rest. We don't feel like we deserve to take time off. You know, especially in America, we've been taught to make rest and play conditional. Like when you get all your stuff done, then you can take a break. And as someone with ADHD, I almost never get all of my stuff done. (laughs) So that means that I hardly ever feel like I deserve rest or I deserve to play or I deserve to have a hobby, right? Because I haven't accomplished enough. I haven't accomplished everything on my list or anything on my list. So I'm not allowed to have a hobby because I haven't worked hard enough today, or I'm only allowed to do something fun when I've accomplished everything on my list. Or we tell ourselves this thing, which is so adorable. We're like, when I get it all done, then I'll rest. But you and I both know that we never get it all done. The list just keeps growing and growing. Whether you have kids or not, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, like the list is just always endless. So I wonder if you are putting conditions on your own hobbies, like, well, I don't deserve to have a hobby because I'm not getting enough done or I'm behind at work or whatever the case may be. And I wonder if this goes back to the way that maybe you were parented, like, teachers and parents and coaches saying like, you don't deserve to rest or you don't deserve to play because you haven't accomplished enough. And now you're using that against yourself and your own adulthood now. So I think that's a big reason why we don't even bother to give ourselves the space to have hobbies is because we just don't feel like we deserve it. Along with that, like we struggle to do anything that we don't consider to be productive because again, we don't feel like we've done enough. We don't feel like we've accomplished enough. We don't feel like we are enough. And so we're constantly thinking like, I need to do more. I need to be more. I need to serve more. I need to give more. And so we don't want to do anything that's not considered productive and hobbies are not considered productive. I've also noticed that when we're doing something fun, we often tell ourselves that we should be doing something else. I shouldn't be doing this right now. I should be working on, you know, that work project, or I should be cleaning out my closet, or I should, and we just should on ourselves so much. We tell ourselves that we should be doing something else. And so then we're feeling so agitated and anxious and we can't just like enjoy the thing that we're doing. So speaking of the agitation and the anxiety and that unsettling feeling, I think that's very common when we introduce a hobby into our lives. And so then we just 
we don't enjoy it because we're feeling so gross about it. Like it, it doesn't actually feel good to have free time when you believe that you haven't done enough today. Does that make sense? It doesn't actually feel good to be participating in a hobby or a sport when you believe that you should be doing something productive. Okay. So that agitation and anxiety and like unsettled feeling that doesn't feel good. And so a lot of us avoid hobbies and like rest and free time because it's so agitating. Another thing that I think goes into not having hobbies is we really struggle to plan ahead. We struggle to prioritize. We struggle to like have the executive function that it takes to sign up for a class or join an intramural sport. Intramural, is that the right word for like adult sports? Probably not. I think that has to do with college sports, but in any case, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the executive function that it takes, for example, for my husband to sign up for hockey, he plays ice hockey in a men's league. He has done it since we were married. So that's how many years, 17 and a half years of him playing hockey. And every season he has to have the executive function available to like, remember to sign up, remember to pay, remember to make sure his equipment is all like ready. Remember to go and put the games in his schedule and like all of that, that takes a lot of executive function. Just listing those things out makes me tired. (laughs) This makes me tired. Right. And so like the thought of like, oh, it actually takes a lot of executive function to have a hobby that helps relieve a little bit of tension where I'm like, oh, no wonder why, no wonder why I don't have hobbies. Like it takes a lot of planning, prioritization, organization, follow through, it just takes a lot. So I want to relieve a little bit of tension there and just let you know that like, it's no wonder that we don't have hobbies. Like if, if you're resonating with that, like it makes sense. Okay. Also, we don't live in a society that values play. We live in a society that, at least if you're in America, that values productivity and output and getting things done and grinding it out and hustle, right? And so we let kids play, but we don't really encourage adults to play. I will say that this, this is a little bit different. Like if you if you are an athlete, I think that we do make room for people to play sports, you know, adults to play sports. But other than that, it's, it's hard to, in our society, even think about like, how do adults play? And do we value that? Absolutely not. And then lastly, I think that we really struggle to know what we like. We're not sure what we like. We don't have a very strong sense of self. And we don't let ourselves try anything new because we're really perfectionistic and we're afraid of failure. So we don't really allow ourselves exploration and creativity because we're really afraid that we're going to fail. So maybe not all of these reasons resonate with you, but I'm guessing some of them do, you know, maybe you don't mind creativity and exploration. You're not afraid to fail. That's amazing. But I'm guessing some of these 
um, reasons why we struggle to have hobbies, I'm guessing that they do resonate with you. And I want to just say that I think you're really a very normal adult with ADHD. This is very typical. Again, we're not all exactly the same. So this is going to vary person to person, but if you're kind of in the spot where I'm at, where you're like, okay, I, I think I want free time, but like when I get it, I don't feel great. And I'm not really sure how to fill it up. One of the things that I, that I notice is like, I just go straight to my phone. I just go on Instagram. I listen to a podcast. I'm always filling the white space with noise. And I don't really think that for me personally is relaxing and like a hobby. Like I don't want to call Instagram a hobby. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to call listening to podcasts. Like that's not my hobby. I want my hobby to be something that I'm actually doing and engaging with. And like, I don't know, apart from a screen, I think, I don't know, that's very subjective. So you get to decide for you, for me personally, like, yes, I watch TV. Yes. I am on Instagram. Yes. I listen to podcasts, but I don't want those to be considered my hobbies. Like when somebody says, what's your hobby? I don't want to be like, I like watching Netflix. It's just not, I like watching the same shows over and over in my pajamas with a glass of wine and a bowl of chips. Like that, I don't want that to be my hobby. (laughs) I want to have something else. So I think that the way that we can establish some hobbies is first of all, we need to start seeing it as a priority and maybe even take it a step further. Like it's it's something that we deserve. Wow. I struggle to say that. So I need to check in with myself. Is that true that I believe it? Yeah. I think that rest and play. And so we could put hobbies into like the play category. Like that's something that humans deserve. We do not need to be working around the clock. We do not need to be outputting or producing around the clock. If we do feel like we need to be producing around the clock, that's something to really take a look at because there's some real self-worth issues happening if that is the case. So I think seeing hobbies as a priority is really important because here is what it does for our brains. It allows us to recharge and refuel and have some white space so that we can come back to our work eventually and have more to offer so that we can come back to our family eventually and have more to give. Now that shouldn't be the motivation. Like I want to do a hobby so that I can be more productive. Like, okay, that's like a little twisted, right? But at least knowing that there is a positive result that comes when we play, when we do fun things, when we have a hobby that feels fun and, and meaningful in some way, creative, explorative, like all of that is so, so, so important. And believing that you deserve that might take some work. (laughs) That might take some real self-worth work because a lot of us don't believe that we deserve to play or to rest because we haven't accomplished enough. And I think this goes back to accepting who you are, accepting your ADHD brain, knowing that yes, you do have some flaws. 
Like, yeah, you have some flaws. Maybe you're not the most efficient person at work. Maybe you miss deadlines sometimes. Maybe you don't bring as much to the table executive function wise as your colleagues, but that does not mean that you don't deserve time off. It does not mean that you don't deserve to have a hobby or to play. What it means is like, those are things that you need to work on. I think what we often do is we, we put ourselves into debt and we say like, I can't, I can't rest and play until I get out of this debt. And the debt is like, I'm late on a project or the debt is like, I, I didn't follow through with this thing I said I was going to do. So we put ourselves into this debt. It's like the ADHD penalty, the ADHD tax. Like we just heap on instead of saying like, yeah, I've got some flaws 100%, but also I'm not going to work past 6 PM. I'm not going to work past 8 PM. I mean, like define it for yourself, but I really encourage you to set a cutoff time, set a cutoff time where you are just going to be done working no matter what. I think that a lot of us, what we do is we say, well, I didn't get as much done as I should have today, or I wasn't as productive as I could have been today. So I'm just going to keep working. And then we never allow ourselves to be done. (laughs) One thing that I have established for myself are working hours. And I even add in some evening working hours. So what I've done is say, I work between this time in the morning. Usually it's around like nine 30 or 10 in the morning until about four 30 in the afternoon. Those are my established working hours Then I have about an hour in the evening because my team is on a different time zone than I am. They're in central and Pacific time. And so sometimes they are getting things done a little bit later. And so I have about an hour in the evening where I will be available to them, where I'll check in, where I'll make sure things are done. But after 6 PM, Kristen Carter is no longer available for work. This is not a thing. No matter how much I did or did not do in that day, I'm not available to work after 6 PM. After 6 p.m. for me is second shift. (laughs) Second shift is parenting my children, making dinner, Ubering kids around, spending time with my husband, going for a walk, and maybe even a hobby, maybe even some time to myself, maybe even cultivating some sort of creative thing that I want to do. And so I would really encourage you to consider establishing working hours for yourself. Even if you want to add in some evening working hours, like let's say you're a teacher and all teachers have to bring work home, right? That's just a thing, but like establishing working hours in the evening for yourself. Okay. So I'm going to work until 3 30 PM and then I'm going to come home and I'll get home at four. And then, you know, from seven to nine, I'm going to do my schoolwork but that still leaves you other time where you can get things done and it leaves you other time where you can spend on hobbies and things that you want to do. When we don't set boundaries around our work time, what we do is we will just continue to work because, and I've said this so many times, but I'm not going to stop saying it. We just don't feel like we are ever done. 
And one of the things we need to do is just decide we're done. The clock says I'm done. So I'm done. The end. That's what I base it off of is not necessarily how much I got done in the day, but whether or not the clock says I'm done. So even with a very deadline specific task, like for example, this podcast, I am supposed to send it to my editor every single Thursday, once in a while, that does not happen. But I do not continue to work on Thursdays later than usual. What I do is I'll do it Friday morning. So the clock says I'm done at 4.30, so I'm done. And that's it. Like that's enough for today. And what I always tell myself is that's enough for today. Did my best. It's enough for today. It's enough. It's very subjective. And I understand that I'm asking you to just believe something just because, but I'm telling you it'll change your life. If you start to believe that you are enough, that your output is enough, that getting it done is enough, then you will allow yourself the uh, luxury of a hobby. I want to encourage you, and I don't know if this is actually going to feel encouraging, but I want to encourage you that if you decide to try to get some hobbies or like explore, you're probably going to feel really weird about it. You're probably going to feel a little bit anxious. You're probably going to feel a little bit like, oh, I should be doing something else. A little bit agitated, a little bit maybe insecure about the thing that you chose to do. I just want to say that like, that's very normal. And, you know, I told you earlier that I like, I bought some books. I bought some coloring books. I bought a puzzle. Those were all very safe things. Do you notice that? I didn't sign up for a dance class. What I would love to do is sign up for a dance class. That would be super fun. It's also really scary. I haven't done that yet, but I would like to, when I dream about actually having a hobby, I think that would be really fun. Signing up for a dance class. How fun would that be? Like with adults, not with like little children. Do I know of any dance studios around here that teach adults? No. And so again, do you see how my executive function is getting in the way or rather my lack of executive function is getting in the way? Like, I'm just like, well, that's going to require some Googling that might even require a phone call, you know? And so it's very normal that I would choose something super safe and maybe not go full on with like, I'm going to sign up for a dance class and like, I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even know. I will keep you posted though. I will keep you posted. So I just want to invite you to let yourself feel weird about it. It's probably going to feel really weird. That's something that I am trying to like allow myself is just like, okay, hobbies feel weird. Like even thinking about what do I want to do? Do I want to take a piano lesson? Do I want to do a dance class? Do I want to go to a yoga studio? I don't know. Do I want to just hike? I don't know. Let yourself feel weird about it. And then once you find something that you do want to do, I encourage you to make an actual plan. Allow yourself to use that tiny, tiny, tiny bit of executive functioning that you have. Allow it to be spent on a hobby. Examples of hobbies would be like learning how to play guitar. You could do that on YouTube learning a new skill of some sort. Again, like YouTube is a great resource. If I wanted to, I could do 
like dance tutorials on YouTube. I wouldn't have to go pay for a class. I wouldn't have to even leave my house. So I want to encourage you that if there's something that you want to learn, you can probably figure out how to do it on YouTube. Money does not need to be spent necessarily, but I do want to encourage you to make a plan. What's the plan? How are we going to get this done? Allow yourself to give it some brain power and some executive function. And don't be afraid to try a bunch of stuff or do be afraid, but try a bunch of stuff anyway. Explore, let yourself be bad at something. Imagine letting yourself be bad at something. I just taught a class today and focused on why failure is actually really important. Class was called how to fail, <laughs> how and why to fail. And, you know, as ADHDers, we really don't want to allow ourselves to be bad at anything because again, this goes back to our self-worth. We think that if I'm bad at something, then I'm just bad. Like me being bad at pottery means I'm a bad human rather than I'm an amazing human who's brand new to pottery. I have no idea what I'm doing. And right now I'm super bad at it. Pottery is another great example of a hobby. At the end of this podcast episode, I'm going to list just a bunch of hobby ideas. I probably won't list all of the hobby ideas in the whole world, but at least give you a taste of what you might want to consider. But anyway, going back to the original point here, try a bunch of stuff out, figure out what you like, let yourself be a beginner at something. Let yourself be bad at something. Try something for two weeks and then change your mind. Hobbies are where your ADHD can really take over because you can let yourself hyper-focus. You can let yourself go all in with something. And then if you change your mind, who cares? It's a hobby. <laughs> it's for fun. Who cares? You might want to put a little spending limit on yourself so that you're not spending thousands of dollars every time you go out and get a new hobby, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn and try and hyper-focus on something that's interesting in the moment and then change your mind halfway through. That's where you can let your ADHD just totally come out and be unhindered. You don't necessarily even need to regulate yourself with your hobbies as long as you're within like the time frame and the money zone that you want to be in, just let yourself enjoy it. Hyper-focus on it. Change your mind. Try it a million different ways. Be creative. I think some of us are trying so hard to curb our ADHD that we're not letting it just like free flow in the places where, you know, things just don't really matter. It's a hobby. It's a guitar lesson. If I do it for three weeks and then I stop, okay. Does that mean that it's wasted? No. It was fun. I tried it. I, I figured out it's not for me. On to the next thing. So let your ADHD play a little bit when it comes to this. And don't be a perfectionist, my friends. <laughs> this is not the area of your life in which you want to be a perfectionist. Okay. Hobbies is a place where there's no pressure and there's no problem if it doesn't work out. No problem if, if like it's not perfect, there's no problem because it's just a hobby. This is a great playground for you learning not to be a perfectionist. This is a great playground for you learning the skill of failure, you know, failing and, and starting again and failing and picking yourself back up and failing and not attaching it to your self-worth. 
Okay. Okay. So as we end this episode, I wanted to at least spark a few ideas for you and list out just like, I don't know how many this is, but like a bunch of hobbies. This is obviously not a comprehensive list. And depending on where you are in the world and how old you are and like what you're interested in, it's going to vary, but at least maybe this will help get the creative juices flowing. Okay. So here's a list of just some hobby ideas, reading, learning a new language, gardening, hiking, camping, bird watching, playing an instrument, playing that instrument in a band, singing in a choir, painting your nails, origami, scrapbooking, running, dancing, yoga, roller skating or rollerblading, slacklining. If you don't know what this is, you should look it up. It looks like fun. Okay, back to the list, baking, cooking, home brewing, knitting, embroidery, cross-stitching, quilting, playing sports, either at home or on a team, playing darts, bowling, skateboarding, fishing, hunting, water sports of any kind, playing board games, learning to juggle, water coloring, pottery classes, volunteering, get involved in your local theater company, build with Legos, do puzzles, build model cars, take a dance class. (laughs) I'm saying that last because that's the one that I want to build up the courage to do. Take a dance class. How fun would that be? That would be so fun as long as people are nice to me. I hope that this was inspiring to you. I hope that you feel a little bit of freedom to explore and to play and to be creative and let yourself be a beginner. I hope that this gave you some practical ideas of what you might want to try. And also I hope that it gives you the excitement of like, oh, this is where ADHD could be not a bad thing, but a good thing where I can try and be creative and hyper-focus and drop it if I am not interested in it. And it doesn't even matter. Go get yourself a hobby. Let me know how it goes. I can't wait to talk to you next week. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. A few years ago, I went looking for help. I wanted to find someone to teach me how to feel better about myself and to help me improve my organization, productivity, time management, emotional regulation, you know, all the things that we adults with ADHD struggle with. But I couldn't find anything. So I researched and I studied and I hired coaches and I figured it out. And then I created Focused for you. Focused is my monthly coaching membership where I teach educated professional adults how to accept their ADHD brain and hijack their ability to get stuff done. Hundreds of people from all over the world are already benefiting from this program, and I'm confident that you will too. Go to IHaveADHD.com slash focused for all the details.